With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're doing it. I just wanted to, for for you guys at home, I wanted to show off, I am now an iPhone owner for the first time in probably a decade. I had to switch over for work because it's just seamless, more seamless. I do miss my my Android phone. Mm. Uh, This is day two or day two, I think I've gotten. Yeah, day two. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay with it. Okay. Jerry, I want to commend you for your bravery in that switch. It's tough. It's like a whole new world, man. Yeah. I mean, I have Mac. I have Mac everything. iPads. Um, my computer's a MacBook. I like it. But the phone itself, I am not a big fan of the phone. Like, it just doesn't work as easy for me. But, you know, there's only so many, so many, you know, hills to stand on, to battles to pick. And so I just made the switch. It's easier that way. You're a warrior, Jerry. And let's get that, in. Let's get into this PPP. That's <laughs> Welcome enough. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. We got more relievers for you guys today. We got Miguel Castro, and we got our first ever friend of the pod, our boy, our man, Drew Smith. We're a little biased towards Drew, I think, a little bit. Well, I mean, for for multiple reasons. One, he's a good human being. Mm. He is a nice person, easy to root for. Uh, number two is that he's really good at baseball. Mm. And so it's easy to root for him. So I'm excited for Drew this season. Um, let's just jump right into Drew. I think the biggest the biggest hurdle for him is health. He hasn't really thrown a lot. Um, I think his highest innings pitched was last season. He'd throw just last over season. 40. Yep, 41 in the third. He started off the year on the injured list. We, he got hurt in spring training, hurt his shoulder. Uh, and if 40, what, what year is this for him as far as like service time? This will be his fourth year, his fourth season. And he hasn't thrown over 45 innings. Yeah. Yeah. So he missed all of 19 with, with Tommy John. Um, and he's, he threw seven innings. He was up and down in 2020, right. the COVID year. Very strange. Had a, had a good year. Uh, but last year was his best year statistically. Uh, but he still only threw 40 innings. So the biggest hurdle for him is to stay healthy and stay available, stay available. Cause he is, he is very good. Right. Yeah. Similar to Seth Lugo. He missed the beginning part of the year, but I mean, he came back strong when he was healthy. You mentioned the 41, the third innings there, 2.40 ERA, 1.07 whip, nice caper nine and walk per nine. The big thing for Smith that uh, really helped out the Mets down the stretch, even though they kept losing games, was he had a dominant second half where the Mets began trusting him and leaning on him a little bit more. Uh, 16 and two-thirds innings in the second half, 1.62 ERA, 0.96 whip. So he was a godsend. And the Mets were using him in a lot of different areas. You know, he was opening games. They had him uh, towards the latter part of games as well. He was pretty much just kind of the everyman of the bullpen a little bit. 
And uh, the big thing that I noticed about Drew Smith that I saw in the stats as well is that Smith wasn't afraid to attack hitters this year either. He had a, he saw a massive jump in first pitch strike percentage at 17.8% upwards from 2020. And that's a big thing. I think it's a big confidence thing for Drew Smith as well. I think he really trusted his stuff. He introduced a new pitch as well last year. And I think we're really seeing Drew come into his own. But like you said, I want to see Drew go a full season because I think he can change the outlook of this Mets bullpen. I think so. This, this is what I'm hoping for Drew. This is a year for him to launch into a new stratosphere of pitcher. Right now, he's still that kind of young guy because he hasn't had a lot of experience in the big leagues. He only has 76 total innings in the big leagues, but he's also going to be 28 this year. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of his time to decide where his career is. Cause if he's hurt, if he gets hurt again, doesn't have a lot of innings, he still has it. He's still unproven. This is his year. If he's fully healthy to have a first, his first full season in the big leagues where he is, shows kind of who he is and that's what I'm expecting of him I'm forever an optimist I'm not going to anticipate somebody to have a major injury um but I think he has another level I think he could push you know again I'm a huge Edwin Diaz fan um so he is going to be the closer but I think he can push Trevor May uh Vino, uh Lugo to be that guy right behind him that's how much I I I like what Drew brings to the table. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that because a big thing for Drew last year in his splits was that he was really good in high leverage situations, which is what you want out of an eighth or ninth inning guy. Hitters were one for 15 against Smith in three, two counts. They batted 133 with a 270 on base uh, with runners in scoring position. So Drew is the guy that you kind of want in a hot situation. He has that cool and level head, even though he's basically the young guy of this bullpen at 28 years old. So I'm really interested to see what role the Mets use him in uh, this year. But we also got to talk about our boy Miguel Castro as well, because he had a pretty solid year in 2021. He did his, you know, we talked about ups and downs. I feel like his season was all up and down. Like I, I don't know. This was the hardest one for me in all of our PPPs. I have no idea what to expect from Miguel Castro. Because as much as I love Edwin Diaz and his stuff, I think Miguel Castro is right behind him as far as pure electric stuff goes. The guy has just phenomenal pitches, like his the, the movement, the velocity, the way he throws. He kind of has a little bit of deception and he slings it in there. He's tall and lanky, uh, so he's got a lot of limbs coming at you. So he's got everything going in his favor but I still don't know what to expect of him because he walks a ton of guys. Yeah. He, he sometimes is like really dominant, like super dominant. Like look, look at his splits last year versus righties, righties hit a buck 80 and lefties hit a buck 98 under 200, but he still had, you know, uh, almost a four, like a three or three and a half. Like those numbers don't add up. Something's missing there. And I think a lot of it is inconsistency that, that a lot of walks, he walks a ton of people. And sometimes he just like, you'll, you'll see him out there and you're just like, who, who is this guy? Does he know how to pitch? Like, did you get that feeling at all last year? I did for sure. Like you look at his numbers, he has the 3.45 ERA, but a 1.29 whip. Those two don't really go together. And you talked about his low batting average against, 
all of this trouble is coming from the walks. So it's really just like, what Miguel Castro are we going to see? Like he started at, as this kind of minor project for the Mets. They acquired him in a quiet trade with the Orioles, but he's really blossoming. I mean, he set his career high for games pitched and strikeouts last season. Uh, he's pitched at least 70 innings in every full season since 2018. But the thing that has always chased him and has given him trouble is his lack of control. And that's because of his nasty stuff. And sometimes he's the type of guy where like, you might not know where it's going with Miguel Castro. He has a very funky delivery. He's very lanky. Like you said, a lot of limbs coming at you. So if Miguel Castro can find control, he's going to be a huge X factor in this bullpen. He threw 70 innings last year. That is a, a very significant amount of innings. That's, that's you know, up there with the top five guys in your bullpen, top three guys usually. But he, he gave up 48 hits in 70 innings. That is amazing. Like, uh, like his, he's so electric. Like I, what he needs to do is he, I talk about it all the time. There's two abilities that a reliever brings to the table that are the two best abilities availability, which he is available. He's been there through 70 innings. That's a lot. Uh, and it's also reliability is your second ability. And he was a lot of up and down last year. He, he rode the wave. Not all of it was his fault. He pitched in some very strange situations. Like he came in, they, they, I felt like he almost, I want to make sure I'm going to look at it right now in the split, Sure. but they tried to push him to three innings. Sometimes, you know, he was throwing just one inning in the back. And so I think this is a guy that could benefit from getting put into a role. Like, you know, you throw the sixth inning, like we're going to bring you in in the fifth or the sixth inning. You're going to follow up, especially early in this season. You're going to follow, you know, Scherzer de Grom, you're going to follow these guys up and you're going to eat that one inning to get to the back end of the bullpen and then go from there. Yeah, I like that for him as well. And I think that like if you look at the splits, you can find a lot of the scenarios where he thrives. One that I found really interesting was that Mikel Gastro uh, usually was worse if the Mets had a larger lead, but he was really good in tie games, uh, 153 batting average against 421 OPS against in tie games. He's another one of these home and away splits guys like Lugo that we mentioned before, 2.45 at home last season, 4.54 on the road. So Miguel Castro, he's a situational guy. You got to find spots where he, he can succeed. He's not a guy, in my opinion, that you bring into the middle of a jam because of that walk factor. His walk per nine at 5.5 last season was one of the highest among relievers that threw uh, 70 innings. So Miguel Castro, if you can put him in situations to succeed, I think that he, he can have a great year. And with the bullpen that we have right now, with the extended longevity of these guys, I think that that can be possible with Buck Walter. I, I do. I, I do. But I feel like he needs, I feel like Miguel Castro needs to be the guy that you can bring in in the middle of an inning because his stuff is so electric. His, he, he just misses barrels. Like he, the, as a collective in the second half of the season, batting average against of 177 like that is unbelievable under a 300 on base percentage that is a guy that could come in with runners in second and third and get an out because he just people don't get hits off of him but you can't allow this guy to walk and so I think his next like we talked about or I talked about Drew elevating I think if all things being equal uh, I think his ceiling if he just figures it out like completely like he's already he's better than I was in my career like it's he's just a better pitcher like some there's levels his ceiling is elite his ceiling is Kenley Jansen 
you know, Edwin Diaz because his stuff is that good. And so I think he just needs to, I don't know if it's a routine thing, if it's whatever the case may be, but he's, he's capable of being an absolutely elite player. Like it's, it's in the realm of, of possibilities for him. So. When we look at the uh, projections for him next year, it's going to be a similar story, according to some people. Uh, 60 games, 3.9 ERA. Again, the high whip at 1.37, the high walk per nine at 4.6. I just think if you can get that walk per nine at a like more controlled state, it doesn't need to be a drastic difference. It could even go down to 4 or 3.5, and that would make such a difference for Miguel Castro. It would get him out of so many leverage situations. No more free base runners. And like you said, Miguel Castro misses barrels maybe more than anyone in the Mets bullpen besides like Edwin Diaz. So, I mean, I just think that's the key difference for him there, but I thought it was really interesting uh, to look at Drew Smith's 2022 steamer. If you want to read that one for us. Yeah. uh, Drew Smith steamer projections, 60 games. They have him for a four and a half, 4.52 ERA, a 1.35 whip. Both of these are really North and then 8.6 Ks per nine and 3.6 walks. So they're, they're projecting Drew Smith to kind of fall back to earth a little bit. Yeah. I think it might be because of like, you know, they're expecting him to pitch a full season and that could differ things. But I think Drew Smith is the kind of guy that could improve with the increased workload. I think he's been itching to get that full season for pretty much the entirety of his big league career at this point. He, he mentioned to us in a, our interview with him that he's a, taking a new approach to conditioning that he learned from Marcus Stroman. And I do think that's going to help him in the long run. And we mentioned this in the Lugo and May episode, but with new additions like Ottavino and Shreve and the expanded roster at the beginning of the season, Drew Smith is another one of these guys that the Mets may lean on a little bit less compared to others to have him later in the season. Because like I said before, in the second half, Drew Smith was awesome for the Mets. The Mets would have fared far, far worse without Drew Smith in the bullpen. So I don't necessarily agree with these steamer projections at all. I think the only thing that might be accurate is the games. I hope so. I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Drew has shown, but again, he's, he hasn't shown it long enough for them to project. I like, I don't know, you know, smarter people than I are trying to do these projections. Um, I think all of his peripherals point to the fact that he's getting better Again, like he developed that cutter slider last year. He's, we talked a little bit about it. He's, he's worked on this circle change. He, he talked about Marcus Stroman and some of the workout stuff that he's taken. He, to me, he has taken that leap up from young guy, um, just trying to get to the big leagues to what do, what do I have to do to excel in the big leagues? And that is a big difference. He's going into what I say he's going to be 28 this year. Yep. Yeah, he's decided, like, I know I'm going to do everything I can to excel at this level. He's he's that experience that he's gained. He's starting to try to train better and to learn. Miguel Castro is only going to be 27 this year, which is amazing because I felt like he's been in the big leagues forever. He actually has. He got up when he was 20 years old uh, in 2015. That's that's amazing. Uh, So. He has another level to get to. And Miguel Castro is now has to make that. I don't want to say maturity because it sounds like I'm being hard on him, but it is a a maturity as far as like experience goes, because now he can find tweak and start to like harness into his craft and really elevate his game. Everything's about adjustments. It's about making change. Drew Smith has shown me that he's capable of doing that and, and getting better, which is why I think both you and I agree 
that we believe his projections aren't very good. We think he's going to be better than that. And I think Miguel Castro can go from like a really good reliever to an elite reliever. And so I'm looking for him to make that push this year. And the biggest thing about Drew Smith that we haven't mentioned yet is that Drew cut his hair. So he's about to enter his <laughs> Jacob deGrom phase. I don't know if people are aware of that. He's got the new pitch going, the circle change, and he's got a new hair look. I mean, I'd be worried if I was an opposing hitter. Uh, he's definitely lost a little bit of the intimidating factor because of the flowing locks, but uh, sure, sure. I, I'm, I'm proud of him. It's like he, he cut it because it was getting annoying and that's a big step to take as far as let's go, but he, he looks good. That was his look all along. He grew it out for COVID. So it, he's feeling back to his comfort zone. So should we hop to our over-unders now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, you go first. All right, so I got Drew Smith. I got another fun one, just like last episode, because I'm feeling fun today. Uh, Here's an interesting one. So Drew Smith, despite getting used all over the place last season, did not get a save opportunity, which I found very interesting. And I've been imploring the Mets for a while to at least attempt a closer by committee type thing if Edwin Diaz is on short rest or something like that. So my over-under is at 0.5 saves. Will Drew Smith get a save in 2022? Will Drew Smith get his first save of his career? And I will take the over on this. I think he's going to get it. Um, I think it just going to fall into his way and he's going to capitalize on it. I agree. I think it's the type of thing where it's just going to fall into his lap. I think it might be like one of those extra inning games where they just need him to come out because some things happened before. And I think he's due. He's honestly due. He had, the long locks gave me the closer vibe last year. He won't have it this year, but I think he's going to be a new man, and I'm excited for him. I think he gets his first save. Two. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Miguel Castro's over under here. I want to run over the the steamer projections because I don't think we covered it. Sure. He's projected at 60 games and a 3.9 ERA and a 1.37 WHIP. I think those are I think those are low for me. I think he gets into the games are close. I think his ERA is going to be below that for the first time in his career. I think he figures it out. I think he takes that, that leap. Um, so his over under is very important here because this is what we talked about the bane of his existence, um, his walks. And so yeah, the over under, so he hasn't been under five walks per nine since 2017. He has a career average of 4.8 walks per nine um ever since he became a, a new york met he has averaged let's see eight walks per nine in 2020 which is a very short season and then five and a half last year in order for him to take that next leap he needs to figure this part out so over under five walks per nine what are your projections here my Reasoning for this uh, may not be what you're expecting. I am going to take the under. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think Miguel Castro is going to have a very different 2022 for one reason. The only player that Buckshaw Walter has managed on this Mets team before is Miguel Castro when he was with the Orioles. Miguel Castro was far younger by then. Um, But I think that working with a familiar face that knows his weaponry and knows how he's grown since then could really help him in the long run. Obviously, he's going to work with Hefner and the pitching coach staff a little bit more closely. But I think Buck is the type of guy that's going to put him in situations where he can succeed. Maybe not these high leverage situations. I know we disagreed a little bit there. 
But I think that Miguel Castro gets things a little bit under control. I don't think it's going to be a complete turnover where he's this brand new pitcher. But I think, like I said before, even if he can lessen things just a little bit, it's going to change his entire season. So I'm going to take the under. I, too, am going to take the under. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that he played for Buck. That's a nice little piece. Um, I forgot about that. I'm going to take the under just because I think he gets a little bit better this year. He's going to, he's going into his age 27 season. Uh, he's got 350 innings under his belt. So this might be, this might be his time to figure it out. And I think if he does it now, it's, it's a great time. Um, he's got, he's surrounded by loads of really smart, really good pitchers. And the Hefner is a great pitching coach. And Buck Showalter is old school in the sense that, like, if you don't walk guys, you'll you'll let him sleep. He'll like you a lot more. That reliability is part of that is putting people on for free. And so I hope for his sake and for the Mets' sake that he takes that leap forward. So I'm going to take the under there. I like it. We agreed twice. Completely different from yesterday, man. What happened to us? It's crazy. Well, you know, that's that's we can't always agree and we can't always disagree. We 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 uh most of the time this whole podcast that we've been together we've been on the same page so it's it's nice to get back there that's showbiz you got anything else on our two guys i don't man uh this was a good one we got uh bullpen out of the way we knocked out some bullpen today i love it uh you know i'm a big fan so what's uh let's see what we got in store for tomorrow Yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in to our latest PPP. Tomorrow we have a very special pitcher episode on another new Mets face. I'm pretty sure you can guess who by the hint, but uh, stay tuned and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.